Hello, and welcome to Moving Markets by Julius Baer. Please listen to the important legal information at the end of this podcast. Good morning. My name is Olivier Maris. I'm an investment writer at Julius Baer, and I'm going to start today's episode by giving an overview of the recent market activity. In the US, stocks rallied yesterday, as the Bank of England unveiled a bond buying program that triggered a global rally in government debt. The S&P 500 ended up 1.97%, with all 11 sectors positive. Energy and telecom outperformed. The tech-heavy Nasdaq gained just over 2%. Overall, it was the strongest day for US stocks since early August. In Europe, stocks traded in the red throughout the day, but ended in the green. The Eurostox 50 gained 20 basis points, Swiss equities outperformed, gaining close to 1%. Now in fixed income, as mentioned, global yields surged yesterday. The US 2 and 10-year tenor ended down 15 and 21 basis points respectively, following UK yields lower after the Bank of England's intervention. In fact, the BOE triggered a record one-day rally in sterling-denominated bonds, with the Bloomberg Sterling Aggregate Bond Index soaring 5.6%. Now, while the BOE's dramatic intervention to buy an illimited amount of long-dated bonds triggered record gains for government debt, concerns about historically high inflation and further monetary tightening by central banks will likely temper any prolonged rally. Sterling-denominated debt has still lost 26% year-to-date, despite yesterday's rally. And actually, considering the market turmoil triggered by the new UK's government economic program, it is reported the Biden administration is seeking ways to encourage Prime Minister Liz Truss to dial back its dramatic tax cuts. Now, in other news, European Union officials unveiled a new package of sanctions on Russia. The new round of sanctions would ban sales of Russian oil by third-party countries beyond a set price cap. It would also prohibit the sale of key technologies that could benefit its military. The plan would inflict around 7 billion euros in economic pain on Russia, according to European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen. And staying in Europe, it is an exciting day for IPOs, as Porsche is set to for its first day of trading. Volkswagen set the final listing price for Porsche at 82.5 euros per share, valuing the company at 75 billion euros. This is at the high end of analysts' expectations and would be Europe's largest initial public offering in a decade. Porsche will mark its first day of trading when markets open in Frankfurt. Now, briefly turning to commodities, Brent oil futures are steady this morning after gaining 3.6% yesterday. Gold soared also yesterday, advancing close to 2%, yet the price of the commodity is coming down this morning. And in the crypto world, most tokens are trading unchanged, with the largest Bitcoin trading around 19,500 US dollars. So, what can we expect for the day ahead? Well, in Asia, shares are trading comfortably higher following yesterday's rally in the US. Futures in Europe point to gains, yet in the US, futures are trading flat. As mentioned earlier, Porsche starts trading in Europe's largest initial public offering in a decade. And expected data includes CPI inflation for Germany and Spain, plus Eurozone economic confidence and consumer confidence. In the US, investors will be on the lookout for the Q2 quarter on quarter GDP figure. That's all for the markets round. I'll now hand over to Norbert Hooker, head of macro and next generation research, for an update on the energy markets. Thanks. Well, um, the focus very much remains on the European gas market, and it feels as if you're sitting somewhere in the back of a theater watching an action movie. Uh, much of the attention, of course, is on the events this week, early this week, that unfolded in the Baltic Sea. 
with this most likely sabotage of one of the key pipelines, the Nord Stream pipeline, that has been linking Russia uh, to Europe. Um, lots of things still remain uncertain, especially on who was behind this, for which reason. Um, other things are more certain, and that's really about the fundamental impact. Um, so the various observations I would like to share with you. First, the near-term fundamental impact really seems to be limited for a very simple reason that exactly through this pipeline, there was for weeks, if not months since uh, late summer, um, actually no really not really gas coming. And over that period, it was thanks to increased imports of overseas liquefied natural gas cargoes that we have been, or Europe has been fully capable of uh, basically compensating the Russian shortfall. Uh, a second observation is that with this kind of sabotage, this pipeline, of course, is uh, most likely curtailed for longer and Russian flows are curtailed for longer. Also there, it doesn't change anything in our fundamental outlook because the way the market has been settled um, over the past weeks and the past month, that's kind of a sustainable basis uh, that we also believe will rest uh, for next year. So we do not think that uh, any lasting outage, which in fact project of Russian gas flow, does really change fundamentally supply situation for Europe. Um, so, and the third observation is that now the attention obviously is much more on the other parts of the energy infrastructure. So basically moving to the pipelines that link Norway, any kind of uh, North Sea fields uh, to continental Europe. Um, these targets are somewhat much more difficult because you're not looking at one or two key pipelines, but instead you're looking at various pipelines, like a net of pipelines. Um, there's always already been kind of increased scrutiny before the events of this week on kind of securing uh, this uh, infrastructure. But nevertheless, the alarm, alarmness, of course, has increased. So overall, as a wrap up, uh, our views on European energy markets are unchanged. We still believe that the energy issues are overpriced. And we also believe that Europe's economy is heading into pronounced stagnation from this massive price shock that we see, but not into deep recession over the coming quarters. The simple reason being there that this spreading of wealth, the winners and the losers, they all remain with the same continent. They all even remain sometimes within the same country. Maybe moving, so overall our views on natural gas aren't changed. We have a cautious view. We see more downside for prices going forward. Maybe uh, somewhat related to that on the oil market, some more news on the oil price cap. So the geopolitical environment and the regulatory environment, policy environment continues to evolve there. For us, it's, it's difficult to, to see really how this oil cap idea works with the already planned embargo from the European Union, given that it seems very unlikely that the Asian countries, India and China, will be participating in this oil price cap. So for us, it's more something like news that we're watching, but it also doesn't change our fundamental analysis for the time being in terms of the oil market, where we have a neutral view and see longer term lower prices, especially heading into next year. That's it from the energy market. Thanks. Many thanks, Norbert. Now over to Ronnie Kaufman, CIO Office, for an update on this week's Investment Committee decisions. Please go ahead, Ronnie. Many thanks, Olivier. Let's start with a small recap of market action 2022 first. The S&P 500 officially entered the bear market in early June. A couple of weeks later, the same index was subject to a violent rally, which the Investment Committee identified as a typical episode of a bear market rally, which will eventually prove short-lived with a high likelihood of retesting the June lows on the index. Fast forward to the end of September, the retest of these lows is indeed underway as we feared. However, the current situation differs from that at the beginning of the summer. Two things have happened in recent months that we did not expect. First, 
The yield on 10-year US Treasuries briefly rose to over 4% yesterday. We are, even with the benefit of hindsight, still amazed that the economy and the financial system have so far been able to absorb the unprecedented shock to the cost of capital without something breaking and thus without stopping the US Federal Reserve's monetary tightening in its tracks. Linked to this surprising insensitivity to interest rates and the negative wealth effect weighing on US household balance sheets, the second surprise for us lies in the US labor market, where according to estimates, at least 2 million workers are still to return to the labor market after the pandemic hit. So the unexpected shortage of labor has pushed up wages, which then in turn have supported consumption. For us, the question remains, however, how well can the US economy absorb such a rapid rise in interest rates and the negative wealth effect? Has it become insensitive to these factors after COVID-19? To date, the anecdotal evidence of a recession remains absent in the signals sent by the financial markets. Inflation expectations are stable. If the economy was about to crack, those expectations would certainly fall. So we have therefore not yet shifted our assessment of the investment regime to that of economic contraction. Nevertheless, stocks have dropped at a faster pace in recent weeks. Encouragingly, the most resilient sectors and stocks up to now have finally let go as well, meaning the contraction of liquidity in the system has finally affected all assets. Another important point is that this downward movement is accompanied by an upward acceleration in interest rates and a slight de-inversion of the yield curve. The wider system therefore continues to validate the central bank's tightening. Finally, the next and last brick that should theoretically fall is corporate earnings. The consensus still expects S&P 500 earnings per share of around 240 US dollar in 2023. The upcoming earnings season is dreaded. There will certainly be negative surprises, but we also expect positive ones. So to summarize, yes, the latest market action might seem frightening at the first glance, but this is indeed what is to be expected in a bear market. What's more, the decline of the last few days is paradoxically a move in the right direction. We are making good progress in the bottoming process without having it reached yet. Keep in mind that the last thing we need now is another short-term rally, which will postpone the end of the crisis. We are therefore maintaining our defensive stance going into the final quarter of the year, with the hope that we can re-engage for a year-end rally in the coming weeks. Patience is needed. We are moving in the right direction, but residual risks remain in the short term. With that, back to you, Olivier. Thank you very much, Ronnie. And with that, we conclude today's episode of the Movie Markets podcast. Thank you very much to our speakers, and thank you all for tuning in. We do hope that you'll join us again. Goodbye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information.